the trust factor that needs to be built between the bank representative and their client is most important to any successful foreign exchange business. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. So hi, and welcome to another edition of Payments Innovation. I'm Richard from Currency Clouds, and today I am delighted to be joined by Bob Murray from Brookline Bank Corps. Bob, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Glad to be here, Richard. Thanks for uh, inviting me to participate. And listen, special thanks, because I know that you're about to head out to have an operation on your knee. So I know this is one of the last things you, you're doing before that. So uh, thanks a lot for joining us before you, you hit your hospital bed. No problem. It's just, again, as you were joking earlier, it's part of dinosaur syndrome. <laughs> but yes, I expect everything to, uh, to go well, and I should be back in a couple of weeks. Listen, it'll be uh, good luck with that. But listen, jumping onto the show. So let, let's first of all give a, a bit of a background about kind of you, your career, what you're doing at the moment, and ultimately kind of some of the things you've learned along the way. So you're, you're a bit of a, a seasoned pro, having spent a lot of your, your life in banks. But just give us a, a bit of an overview. Yeah, sure. I started in foreign exchange markets in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and I do mean early 80s. I think it has a zero on the handle, if not a 79. At that point, foreign exchange markets were really just about four or five years away from the uh, dismemberment of uh, Bretton Woods agreement. So the markets were really young, and it was a, a very much a an expanding market. The, the trading rooms were much different. Now there were three or four traders per currency doing spots and forwards. There was, it was just really, everything was manual. Originally, we kept our positions in PL on a yellow pad and reconciled them once a week, which is really much different than, uh, than where we are today. I work, I traded spot, I traded forward. I've run forward desks in some of the major New York international bank, HSBC, Credit Suisse, Lehman Brothers for a while. And Moved up to Boston to work at Bank Boston before the turn of the century, like 1997, and was hired as chief dealer at Bank Boston and then moved over to Sovereign Bank a few years thereafter. I've started up several foreign exchange areas in the foreign exchange services from scratch, include spot forwards, options, NDFs, and really just servicing our the bank's commercial clients, which is really the, the fundamental foundation for any regional bank in foreign exchange is really you're just trying to service your clients, primarily commercial, but also consumer. So the foreign exchange really touches in a regional local bank, all areas of the bank. It includes international payments, wire transfers, foreign exchange transactions. So it it really does, surprisingly to most people in regional banks, it is a surprise how many tentacles that foreign exchange actually sends out within the bank once they really start to take a look at it. One thing that hasn't changed in the markets from the beginning is really that it's still basically a relationship market. And yes, the dealers don't have as much or any contact anymore. Everything is done by algorithm. But the relationship between the foreign exchange salesperson and their customer is something that has remained constant. And that's really the the trust factor that needs to be built between the bank representative and their client is most important to any successful foreign exchange business. And and do you think that, I mean, because you've obviously spent some time, you're you're now the um, Brookline, 
But obviously, you, you spent some time, as you said, with some of the kind of the bigger banks, based in New York or at Lehman's, HSBC, State Street. Um, what, what do you see as kind of the main differences in terms of that interface with the customer from where you are now to, to, to where you have been? Well, I, I wouldn't say that there's a, you know, the trust factor for that advisory role that foreign exchange people uh, provide to their customers really hasn't changed. But, you know, when you get into larger banks, some of the multinationals and money center U.S. banks, you know, their clients are much more sophisticated. You know, most of them, uh, a lot of them will have their own treasury units. Some is large, if not larger than some of the banks that they're dealing with. So they pay a high attention to foreign exchange. And as you move down the scale of the size of the corporation or the commercial that you're dealing with, obviously that sophistication level drops away and the relationship and the advisory role for the foreign exchange representative increases exponentially. Obviously, with some of the issues that we've had in foreign exchange over the past five to 10 years at some of the larger banks and some of their customers about rates and settings and some of that, the, the trust factor on the, the upper end has been lost. And, you know, to, for a good point, I think, you know, the commercial clients, the corporates, the pension funds, the hedge funds uh, have learned that they really must take a much more active part in valuing and overlooking their business where before it had really been to some extent put out on the foreign exchange person at the bank. And that's kind of like where some of the issues arose, at least in my view. Right. Okay. So listen, we'll, we'll come on to kind of, I guess, more information, more background around the market itself and how that's changed, et cetera. But I think before we do that, it'll be, it'll be interesting to spend just a couple of minutes on, on Brookline itself, Brookline Bank for the background, the history, and I guess the, the types of customers that you're really kind of servicing. Sure. Well, Brookline Bank Corp is a holding company for three New England uh, local banks, Bank Rhode Island, Brookline Bank, and First Step Switch Bank. As with all banks, as they grow to a certain extent, their customer base expands and to include more of a commercial industrial lending portfolio. Uh, otherwise, you would be overweight in just commercial real estate transactions, and that kind of tops itself out. So. At a certain point, when a bank reaches a critical mass, they would look to expand their uh, their commercial and industrial lending. Along with that, you need to have the products and services that they are used to and are receiving from other banks. And that's basically uh, twofold, you know, an interest rate swap group, the derivatives uh, transaction, and also foreign exchange services. You know, I, I think, as I said, it's amazing to banks to see how far foreign exchange reaches within a bank, when you start talking to lenders and you start talking to commercial clients, I think they're amazed at actually how global their businesses have become. So it's a learning process for both sides. But really, in this global world that we're in, you know, trade is, is global. And, you know, there are benefits to our clients for paying in local currency versus just sending their payments in dollars. And that's part of the education process that we're involved in right now is Really just getting out to our clients is giving them some points to ponder and trying to fulfill that advisory role as a trusted advisor, which the bank core in itself is is known for. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. I think you know, two things there. The fact that global commerce is growing, you know, that the world is getting smaller and you know, more and more of these U.S. businesses are now having to potentially adopt not necessarily a, a cross-border transaction, but one, involved, one that involves FX and a, and a currency conversion. And, I think, you know, the, the comparison to maybe the, the rest of the world, especially in, in the UK and Europe, where you know, that, that is quite an advanced economy in, in, in that respect. 
I think certainly what I've seen is, you know, it is an education process for a lot of people. It is understanding that there are, there are better ways to do this, more cost-effective ways to do this, if they can effectively manage their, their FX exposures and use you know, a, a provider, a banking provider to do that properly. Yeah, I mean, it's really certainly, even with, you know, from the smallest startup companies, it's a part of good corporate governance to basically acknowledge your international exposures, whether you pay them in dollars or you pay them in currency. But it is important for companies of all sizes and stages of their development to understand where they are, make a, an informed decision as to whether we're going to hedge, whether we're going to pay in local currency, or we're going to pay in dollars, and, and have a foreign exchange statement. So that's a, another important part or another important function that we try to provide is that type of knowledge and, and advisement to our customers. Again, as I said, at, at any stage of development, whether they're an incubation or they're a, a new customer just starting with their first Canadian payments, you know, just so they understand what the risks are and, you know, what can be done. And if they decide not to do it, at least they've made a conscious decision as to what they're doing as opposed to just walking into it blindly. Now, I always like to say a decision not to hedge is still a decision. <laughs> so yeah. you're exposing your company to foreign currency movements, volatility, various pricing differentials. But as long as you're making that decision with your eyes wide open, again, that goes back to good corporate governance. Yeah, I think you're right. And obviously, this you, you guys, I guess, are positioning yourselves as this isn't necessarily just about the the physical FX rate they get, but this is the the kind of trusted advisor status, and potentially this isn't something that they might get from from some of the bigger banks. You know, these bigger banks are obviously traditionally the ones, the market makers, the one with the ones with access to liquidity. But unless you're a a large kind of corporate or institutional customer, then perhaps you you didn't get this service from from, from these guys. Is that fair to well, say? I- well, I think a lot of that, Richard, you know, happened with these larger commercials many years ago as they were developing and growing and, and starting their FX operations and, and understanding it. So they've already gone through this painful process. But what we're seeing, especially, you know, in our small and medium enterprise portfolio is that, you know, our customers and across the board and, and that size of customer really doesn't have or has been exposed to all of the p- potential variances that may arise in, in global trade. You know, they're really worried about sourcing their inventory or selling their inventory, paying for it or getting paid, but the currency variations haven't, uh, haven't uh, really been at the forefront. If I can just digress a little bit and give you a, a personal story. When I was a young trader, I was over in Switzerland working for Credit Suisse and now with four or five dealers back in the day before the Euro at a restaurant. The bill came and everybody was able to pay in their local currency without even thinking about it, coming up with the right amount where I had my little calculator out trying to figure out what the dollar is. Mm-hmm. Because we've really been insulated from having to do exchange in the U.S. Everybody does dollars, you know, and it's king dollar and we're comfortable. But in Europe, as you mentioned earlier, you know, it was a way of life before the euro. You had to be up on your exchange rates. Yeah, and I think I've certainly noticed that kind of coming over to the U.S., you know, from especially from the little island that I come from, that's called the UK. It's it's second nature. We 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 have to exchange currencies, even with the euro now. You know, we have to exchange currencies, and that was one of the um, I guess eye opening moments for me coming across, which is everything is you know, still quite dollar centric. So so that that kind of education process, it, it, times have changed. You know, and, and and people are having to embrace 
kind of FX as part of that cross-border currency flow. So how are you guys approaching this? How are you going out and starting to educate the customers? Because this is obviously quite new for them. Um, and, and what is your approach in front of these guys? Well, I mean, it's really, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's an educational approach. You really have to go in not preaching, not overselling, but really just trying to lay out the facts to them, give them some hard examples. I was just actually working one up today for uh, my first visit to a customer tomorrow, and the presentation really revolves around, you know, why customers use dollars and it's easier. And, you know, really what is the uh, the reason behind that? And, you know, where we have landed was with, you know, independent studies within the market have shown that basically 95%, which I thought was is kind of high, but that's what the, the research firm came back with. 95% of all U.S. dollar payments overseas wind up being converted at some point, either by the beneficiary, by the beneficiary's bank, or an intermediary bank somewhere along the line to, to the local currency. So our customers that are paying in dollars may not be aware of this, nor do they care. But really what happens is, and you know, like all banks charge a, an exchange fee. So if you're paying in U.S. dollars and you're paying somebody in euro, they're going to adjust their U.S. dollar invoice to reflect what they're going to pay their bank for the exchange fee. Added into that is also a few percentage points here or there to adjust for any currency volatility. So really what happens is when we finally get U.S. customers to ask for local currency or foreign currency invoices, they'll notice that they have a much better control over their costs and their cost of inventory usually decreases by three to 5%. Which is massive, right? And, and I guess, you know, their, their previous thought process was, I don't want to have to be susceptible to foreign exchange or fluctuations. Therefore, by you know, the most cost-effective way for, for me to run my business is to accept, a, you know, just, just send dollars. But actually when, when they dig into it, so really what you're saying is by working with, your customers, you know, what Brookline are allowed to do is, or, or seeing customers do, is really see these tan- real tangible cost benefits of paying in in local currency. And, and you're saying that's up to five percent in some instances because of how people are adding on, you know, a, a, a point here and right. a point. Well, and it's also the, the second point of that is it's also important to make sure that when you're going to a client, right? So if I'm going to add in five percent and the other bank is going to add in 5%, there's really no reason for the client to change his behavior other than he may receive a smaller invoice. So it's also important to be able to deliver your client, you know, really competitive rates as good, if not better than what their client may be receiving from their own personal bank. And that really is uh, something that, that has been difficult for smaller regional local banks than in the past that have depended upon some of the historical correspondent banking partners because the correspondent banking partners charged. Everybody has their their hand in the till. By leveraging the new technology of payment portals, you know, you're kind of cutting out, we've been able to cut out some of the middlemen and bring those savings to the client. And, and really give them a compelling reason as to why they should use Brookline foreign exchange in comparison to a just going with local currency payments or U.S. dollar payments. But also we differentiate ourselves from the U.S. competition by being able to offer such fine competitive, and I say fine, not meaning great, but just close to the mark foreign currency pricing. 
It, you mentioned a, a word that obviously is, is close to my heart there, which is which is technology. And I think sometimes that's that's a word that hasn't always gone hand in hand in, in the banking sector. I think it's it'll be interesting to look at how, and you kind of touched on it there, how Brookline as, as a bank are um, adopting and using technology kind of internally to really give these kind of external benefits for their customers. And is this around scale and automation or or talk talk us through kind of that journey that you guys have kind of gone on and and are going on well i mean just at the historical correspondent banks and larger regional super regionals they all have you know rather large operating scales for foreign exchange whether it's a dealing desk whether it's you know included in that a middle office for evaluations and reporting and included in that also back office to affect the payments. There is a, a, a much higher cost of doing business once you have what I call the great military industrial complex of foreign exchange at some of the larger banks. So by, you know, what we have attempted to do previously in past lives and here at Brookline is really to take a look at the latest technology that's available and see how we can cut out some of the leverage technology to cut out some of the operational needs that are historic at other places. And that's, that really, by being able to do that, you're able to then pass along a better, a, a, a more competitive exchange rate to your clients because you don't have the underlying cost. Yeah, and I think that that's obviously, you know, really, I think really interesting for us to see, you know, our view certainly is you know, software is eating the world. And, and software is something that is really exciting for, you know, banks like you guys to be utilizing that not necessarily just internally, but this is all around providing your customers a better service, a more cost-effective service. And you're, you're getting there by automating some of the processes using the benefits that, that the software can bring. And I think that's, that's a really interesting, certainly for this podcast, you know, it's, it's a really interesting story. Well, we had a, um, you know, when I was growing up in the markets, there was always a mantra for foreign exchange departments and salespeople. And it was always, you know, servicing your clients or building a relationship was always around price, advice, and service. You know, price was somewhat important. Advice was, you know, uh, you know, what goes on in the foreign exchange markets, you know, advice is only as good as the minute that you give it uh, because everything changes so rapidly. But service is one that is always been a, a bedrock part of foreign exchange or any, you know, sales, uh, sales routine or, or sales relationship. And by offering a better service really is what the customer is looking for. But if you can if you can add in that better service and a better price, advice becomes still important. But again, as I as I mentioned, advice I can tell you the dollar is going up today and you know, five minutes later I could change my mind, you know. <laughs> so advice is and especially in foreign exchange isn't as important. Strategy is from a, a longer term strategy, what kind of hedging policy, that type of advice is, is extremely important to find. Yeah, I think you can probably bundle that together along, you know, that, that is the service you're providing. And I think in this age, people are happy to pay for a service. And I think what you've seen, certainly in, in the B2B space and in the B2B cross-border space is, is huge. But a lot of the, I guess, expectations around service are driven by maybe consumer-facing application. And people are kind of expecting this. Now they're happy to pay to pay for it, but they, they expect a certain level of service. And if the way that you guys can can deliver that, can scale that, is by levering, leveraging software, then, then that's the exciting thing, I think, for the industry. Yeah, and you know what we've been able to do here at Brookline with the Bank Corp and, and its uh, subsidiary banks is that we've been able to 
continue the, the bank's mantra of you know personalized service. And as you, I think you mentioned a little bit earlier, you kind of lose that as you go upscale within the bank. You know, the, the smaller, less sophisticated clients are not really uh, well looked, I wouldn't say well looked after, but they're low down on the, the oversight. Right? The, the, most of the attention is paid to larger corporations that are doing business. So by bringing this level of product and service and advice to our local small and medium enterprise companies is, is certainly something that Brookline has tried to do across all of its product lines. Of course. Well, listen, I, I think we're, we're probably just about out of time. But listen, it's been re- fascinating to, to talk to you, Bob. Really happy you could come on and, you know, just so close to your operation. So obviously wish you the best in that. But this has been really interesting. I've been speaking to Bob Murray from Brookline Bancorp. Bob, thanks a lot for your time. Oh, you're welcome. And thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.